Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Today is Monday, September 20th, 2021, and this is the Defender Bible Study Podcast. My name is Chris Johnson. I serve as the National Director of Church Partnerships at Lifeline Children's Services. And today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter number 5, verses 15 through 21. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5, as we're continuing our study through the book of Romans. I want to see what Paul has for us today. In the first three chapters of Romans, uh, we were hit with all the bad news, right? Uh, we were told that we are in, we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior, uh, that all of us are, are completely lost and completely hopeless apart from Christ. In chapters four and five, the last couple chapters, we've been seeing, though, how God takes care of this sin problem and that God gives us this gift of justification when we place our faith in Christ. Justification being uh, that moment when we are saved, when our sin is covered by Christ. Uh, one of the ways that I've always remembered the definition of justification is it is justification is just as if I had never sinned. Uh, I received that, that justification through a gift from Jesus through Jesus Christ, as we saw at the beginning of chapter number five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, that sin problem that is so uh, horrible and wretched uh, has been ratified through our uh, through through the, the blood of Jesus, and now we have an opportunity to uh, to be rectified through the blood of Jesus, so now we have the opportunity to be justified uh, in Him, and so we're grateful for that. Uh, Paul shows us that, that center into the picture, that it was passed down to each one of us uh, through that act of Adam, through Adam's act of, of disobedience. Uh, with sin comes death, both physical death and, and even more importantly, spiritual death, and so we've seen that very clearly as we've walked through these first five chapters uh, of of Romans. Last time that we were in the study, uh, Herbie led us in some verses here in chapter 5, and we've got a little bit of overlap in our verses today, uh, but he talked very, very clearly and showed us, made that comparison of the difference between uh, the first Adam and the second Adam, between Adam and, Christ, and between Christ. And while Adam brought sin onto the scene, Christ brings a remedy for that sin, and we're so very grateful for that. So let's read together the last few verses of Romans chapter 5, and that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse number 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a great way to conclude this passage and conclude kind of this this section of Romans. Uh, I love, though, that our, our, our passage that we're looking at today, beginning in verse number 15, I love that it starts with the word, but... Uh, we, we've heard about this condemnation. We've heard about this, this, this death that has been brought on, but because of sin. And then we get to first 15 and we see, but there is a transition. There is a difference. There is something that is available to remedy this problem. There is a, a way to deal with this solution. And then verses, uh, in, in, in 12 through 14 before this, it just spoke over and over again about that death that's passed on to us from Pat, from Adam. And the picture looks pretty bleak, but. Paul says that the reality of sin is death and separation, but Adam gave to mankind the, the, the gift of the effects of sin, but God now gives us a much better gift. His is a gift of grace, a gift of grace. The Greek word for grace is charis, and you'll see that used throughout uh, the New Testament. It's, all, it's even uh, times it used in a different in, in the Hebrew format throughout the Old Testament as well. But it's the Greek word charis, and it literally is the act of giving a gift, showing favor, or bestowing benefit. Uh, we often say, as a, as a way to remember, that it is giving that which we do not deserve. Grace is getting that which we don't deserve. We don't deserve anything more than than the death that has been that is because of our sin. Because of our sin, we don't deserve anything but the same effects that mankind before us have experienced, the same effects that Adam experienced, but the grace of God. But the grace of God provides a gift that he gives to us. We've used the acronym before, grace being God's riches at Christ's expense. We get the riches of God, the the gift of God that comes to us because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're so grateful for this. In verses number 15 through 17, the first few verses of this, we see the strong emphasis that Paul puts on this gift of grace. He uses the term, the word either grace or the gift eight different times in just these three verses. So, so Paul says, I've given you a lot of bad news and We've talked about how this sin has been passed on to each and every one of us. And because of the sin, we deserve that condemnation and that the death that, that sin brings. But now I'm going to share with you this great good news. And he says over and over again, he speaks of the grace, of the gift, of the grace, of the gift, the gift of righteousness, the grace that has been given eight times in just three verses. As we read through verses 15 to 17, we see this, this distinct contrast between the condemnation that was brought on by Adam and the justification that is now brought on by Christ. We see the death caused by Adam's sin and the life that's given through the work of Christ. Let's read again verses 15 through 17 and notice these things as we're reading through it. Watch for this, this distinction between condemnation and now justification, death and now life, and even see over and over again the, how many times he says grace and the free gift. He says, the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. He says that one sin, that one trespass by Adam brought, brought many, brought everyone, brought all to death. Many have died because of that trespass. But now, because of the gift of grace of God, the gift of the grace of the, the man, Jesus Christ, it is now abounded for many. The free gift, verse 16, is not like the result of that one man's gift. It's not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. 
or, or the sense of you are guilty. Condemnation says that you are, you are guilty. You deserve whatever, um, whatever the, the charge has been brought against you. You are guilty of that charge and you deserve to pay the effects, to pay, uh, the payment that is necessary because of that guilt that you experience. One trespass brought condemnation, the sense of guilt, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Again, removing that sin debt, removing that issue. No longer do we have to face that condemnation. No longer do we have to, to face that, that guilty, that guilty uh, verdict, because now we are made as if that sin was never even an issue. And that comes through this gift of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul is basically saying here, hey, it's bad news. Sin is bad and, and it's bad news that we have been born into this sin and no way to escape it. It is it is a, a reality for each and every one of us. We are born in the sense of condemnation. We are born in this death. But as bad news as that is, how much greater it makes this good news even greater that we have this free gift of the grace of God that has been made available to us through Jesus Christ. So, so the news is bleak and bad, but man, the, the good news is great and marvelous and wonderful and something to be celebrated and something to be excited about. As I read these verses, I can't help but think of Paul, what he also said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter two. And I, I, go ahead and let's, let's look at that real quickly. Turn over to Ephesians chapter two, if you will. And let's read these first few verses. And we're going to see kind of the same idea and the same thought process as we walk through who we were because of the condemnation, because of the sin that was passed on to us and because of the sin that we committed. But then also we're going to see a transition and see how we now, because of the work of Christ, have the opportunity to be justified from that sin. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. So again, the same death that was passed on from Adam. So once Adam sinned and that sin brought forth death and that death is passed on generation to generation to generation to every person that would come after Adam, we now are born alive physically, but dead spiritually. This is speaking of that spiritual death. Uh, the word death literally means separation. So we are born separated strangers away from God. We are born dead in our trespasses and our sins. And the idea there, the reason he says trespasses and sins, is just kind of a reminder of, of that sin nature that we're born into that, that leads us to sin. But then also because of that sin nature, the acts of sin that we commit ongoing, none of us are without excuse. We all have, have, have walked in the way of sin because of that separation from God. There was nothing within us that could do good, that could do right, that could, that can make the right choices. And so because of that, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, completely hopeless. We stood under the condemnation of our sin guilty. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. 
Again, we, we, because of just the sin nature that was passed on, we found ourselves in this state of being just like uh, the, the world, just like that, that spirit of disobedience that is at work in others was at work in us. We lived according to the passions of our flesh. We carried out just the desires of our own body and, and we walked in that sin nature. And then we have that word again, it starts off verse number four, but... We were this way. This is how we were. This is how we were born. But God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. So that same word, that grace or that charis, that gift, by a free gift of God, you have been saved. So we were lost. We were hopeless. We were just as the sons of disobedience, but God, who is rich in mercy, love, and grace. We see these attributes over and over and over again. And Paul celebrates these attributes of God. Of course, mercy, not giving us what we, what we deserve. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal separation from God. We deserve the condemnation. But mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. His love for us, he acted in our best interest. Through the person of Christ, he came and met us at our point of need and went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. So mercy, we don't get what we deserve. Love, he shows and did what is in our best interest. And then by grace, we are saved. Again, he, he takes us to that, that level of giving us a gift that we don't deserve, that we are not worthy of. But yet in the person of Christ, he makes it possible for us to be justified, for us to be have our sins forgiven, ultimately for us to be saved. Uh, by grace, you have been saved and, and, and you have been raised up with him and seated. he seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, ongoing into, into eternity, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Man, that is something to celebrate. That is something to be grateful for and thankful for and recognizing the grace that has been made available. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is what? It is the gift of of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we are we are justified today. We are saved today, not because we deserve it, not because of anything we have done, anything we ever could do, but because of the wonderful gift of grace that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. Look back at Romans chapter five. Move to the, to the next session, verses 18 and 19. In verses 18 and 19, Paul continues this comparison between Adam and Christ. He talks about the, the sin of this one man, and ultimately the disobedience of this one man brought condemnation, a guilty verdict to all born after him. But the obedience of another man, the obedience of Christ, brought justification to all who would trust in him. And this obedience that he's speaking of, that he's talking about with Christ, it was obedience both in his daily life, uh, because he was not born with a sin nature. He was born supernaturally through the uh, through the Holy Spirit. He, 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 was, he was walked in obedience in his daily life. And then he walked in obedience all the way to the cross. And because he lived this perfect life, he was able to take that step of obedience to the Father and go to the cross to pay the price for all the sins of all those who would come to know him, who would place their faith and trust in him. And so both of these sides of obedience for Jesus were, were completely necessary. If he had not walked in complete obedience throughout his life, then he could not have been that perfect sacrifice. And if he had walked in obedience throughout all his life, but he had not been willing to go to that cross and take our sin upon himself, 
himself, then, then we never would be able to have this justification. But because this one man was obedient to follow the will of the Father, we now enjoy the benefit and the blessing of it. Let's read through those verses again, verses 18 and 19, and watch for those things. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So again, we see this, this gift that God has given us through the obedience of Christ, through the life of Christ. Finally, in verses 20 and 20 through 21, we literally have kind of a, a summation of this whole teaching. And, and really, it's a, it's a summation of the whole first five chapters of Romans. He, he reminds us again that we have a sin problem. And he tells us that, that the law is not the solution to that sin problem. The, the law was not the, uh, by, we, we cannot fix our sin problem by keeping the law because we can't keep the law. The law is not the solution. The law just causes us to see how bad our sin really is. It causes us to see how desperate we truly are for help. We must have the help of the perfect one. We must have the help of Jesus Christ. The law magnifies our sin and our inability to obey God on our own. But thankfully, he shows us that God's grace is greater. The more clear and the more vivid the sin, the more powerful the grace to overcome. No matter how strong the sin is, grace is stronger still. Let's look at this verses 20 and 21. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. And again, this is the idea of magnifying it, of, of, of allowing that the trespass to be more vivid, to be more clear, to be more real in our eyes. The whole purpose of the law was to show us our sin, to show us that we fall short of God's glory. And, and so he says that, that the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The more clear the sin became, the more obvious the grace became. I was reading one, one commentary was talking about how that, that Paul has painted this picture of sin, but now he shows us this gift of grace and it's almost like a jeweler taking a, a piece of black velvet and taking the most beautiful, pure, clear diamond and putting that diamond on that velvet. The velvet is dark. The velvet is, is completely black so that the magnitude and the brightness of that diamond will shine forth and be so clear. So we see how desperate our sin is. We see how dark our sin is. And as we see how wicked our sin is, we are able to see the wonderful gift and how great the gift of God's grace is to those who would receive it. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, God also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I, again, just even reading this, I'm reminded of the, the old gospel, gospel song, uh, grace that is greater than our sin. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash that stain away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide whiter than snow you can be today because grace is greater than sin. Grace is greater than sin. Sin brings death, but grace brings eternal life. This is all through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul started, we mentioned earlier, Paul started this chapter in the beginning of verse number one and said, we have peace with God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he ends the chapter with the same expression that we might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Everything we are, have, everything that we are is because of the grace and goodness of Jesus Christ. There is no reason that he should ever want to, to save us, to be with us, to use us for his honor and glory, but for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are the, the practical takeaways today for us to apply to our lives? How does this understanding of this passage and of these first five chapters of Romans, how does this understanding play out in our ministry as we minister to vulnerable children and families, as we minister to, to women in crisis pregnancies, as we minister uh, to, to children who long for families, as we minister to uh, to parents who, who long to have their families restored, as we go about our daily lives as Christ followers, how does our understanding of this passage play out? What are some takeaways for us today? First of all, don't ever forget what you have been saved from. We must never forget what we have been saved from. If you have not seen it in these first five chapters, I hope that, that, that God will open your eyes to reveal that we were guilty in our sin. We were condemned to eternal damnation and complete separation from God. Because God is holy and righteous, we deserve the full weight of the penalty of our sin. There is not a single one of us that does not deserve to face the weight of that sin, to face the condemnation and, and, the, and, and, the, and the damnation that comes because of that sin. We have nothing to glory in for ourselves. We, we cannot think that we are better than anyone else, including those that we serve and those that we seek to help. We've got to recognize and remember what we have been saved for, from. If we, if we ever get to a point of thinking that we are better than others, that we have arrived and that we somehow uh, are in a better situation or we, have, we, we, you know, God loves us more or, or because we've made better choices, we put ourselves in a better place. May God constantly remind us of what we have been saved from. We, we are, we, we were completely lost and dead. Nothing we can do on our own, but for the grace of God, we would be in that same situation still today, still striving to do the best we can, knowing that it's going to come short, still striving to, to try to rectify, or maybe even just giving up completely and just completely surrendering to the, uh, the effects of sin, both in this life and facing the uh, future in the life to come. But for the grace of God, we would be right there continuing today. So may we never forget what we have been saved from. Number two, may we today rest in the goodness of God's grace. Don't ever forget what you've been saved from, but then also rest in the goodness of God's grace. Brothers and sisters, we cannot any longer live under the condemnation of our sin. God says our sin, when we came to Christ in faith, we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He justified us. He took care of that sin problem. We are no longer having to live under the condemnation of sin. May we today rest in the justification that has been provided for us through the work of Christ. It's not that God says, okay, I'm going to save you by grace, but now you got to work hard to keep this salvation. You got to work hard to keep my favor. You got to work hard to, to stay in, in this, in this relationship with me. No, we are no longer under the condemnation of sin. What a glorious thought that is. But we must rest in that. We must rest in that truth. We must recognize what God's grace has given us. 
You know, it's it's more, again, we talked about mercy being not getting what we deserve, and that would be completely awesome if God just didn't give us what we deserve. But grace says, not only am I going to forgive you of your sin, not only am I going to remove your sin debt, but I'm going to take it a step further, and I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. You, you see, when we come to Christ, our sin debt is canceled. We are, we are made as if we had not sinned, but not only is our sin debt canceled, we are made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are given all the benefits of sonship. We are given all the blessings that come with being in that right relationship. We are given all the blessings, the very things that that God gives to his son. He gives to us. We are now the sons of God and we get to live in the sonship of, of our heavenly father. Let that sink in today. Let's think about that as we go through our day today, as we face the struggles of this life, as we feel like a failure and we feel like we've let God down, as we're reminded of the sin that that we still struggle with and the flesh that we still struggle with, as we're going through dealing and recognizing these things, let's not lose sight that even though we were dead and lost and there was nothing good that we had to offer, God has forgiven us through Christ and he has made us joint heirs with Christ through the work of Jesus. We we have this grace that has been given to us and may we rest in the goodness of God's grace. Martin Lord Jones said about this, it is not only that we are forgiven, but over and above being forgiven, the righteousness of Christ is put to our account. The righteousness of Christ is put to our account. This one that walked in complete obedience, his righteousness, his obedience has been put to our account. What a joy. Don't allow the enemy today to cause you to live in defeat. We have been brought to new life. So let's walk in the truth of that new life. Uh, Tony Marita said, according to Romans 1, 18 through 3.20, we are worse than we think. But according to Romans 3.21 through 5.21, those who are in Christ are more loved and accepted than we could ever imagine. We are more loved and accepted than we could ever imagine, not because we deserve it, not because we've done anything, not not that God is blessed to have us on on his team, but because of the grace, the charis, the gift that he has bestowed upon us through Christ. Over these next few chapters, we're going to be seeing how we're how Paul's going to move from this understanding of justification and it's going to go to sanctification, that justification happening at the moment of salvation. We are made as if we have not sinned, but now he's going to, to move into the sanctification and how the reality of this is played out in our lives on a daily basis as he is conforming us uh, into his image. And we're going to be seeing uh, how this, this gift of grace is played out in our new lives through Christ. Um, I happened to see on, on Twitter yesterday, Burke Parsons, who is the uh, pastor at St. Andrew's Church down in the Orlando area. He said, the more we gaze on Christ, the more we see his holiness. The more we see our unholiness, the more we repent and the more we grow in holiness. And so we're going to be looking again at just this idea of keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. So we we see him for who he is, which causes us to see us for who we are. But then that causes us to, to repent and to to keep that uh, that that relationship, that, that, that fellowship strong with our father so that we can continue to grow in the holiness of Christ. So we said, first of all, today, we must don't ever forget what you've been saved from. Number two, rest in the goodness of God's grace. And then number three, boldly share this good news with others. May we boldly share this good news with others. 
You see, when we truly un- understand how undeserving we are, yet how gracious God is, we'll want to we'll want everyone else to understand this as well. If we truly grasp this, then we will want everyone else that we come in contact with. We want we will want them to experience this also. We can't keep this good news to ourselves. We must be witnesses of the grace of God. We must be witnesses and share with others the goodness of God, the the mercy of God. You know, people have said before, we've talked about maybe a struggle, or I don't know how to witness, I don't know what to say. It, It has been said that it is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's simply sharing with others what God has done for us. I recognized that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and then I was able to see through God's Word and through the Holy Spirit that Christ is that Savior, and I placed my faith and trust in Him, and now He has made me a joint heir with Christ. I am now a son of God. That's the good news that we must share with others as well. As as Paul did in the first three chapters of Romans, we must help people see how lost they are without Christ, how they're sinners living under that condemnation. And but then, as Paul did in these last two chapters, we then must help them see that God offers the wonderful gift of grace through Jesus Christ. No matter how dark their sin may be, God's grace is greater, and they can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. May we today, as we go throughout our, our work here in this ministry, as we live our daily lives, may we be aware of those around us. May we be aware of their need for a Savior, and may we be aware of the grace that God has provided for them, just as he has for us. And may we boldly proclaim this truth. May we speak of this good news, and may we share this good news with others so that they, too, can place their faith and trust in Christ and enjoy the the benefits and blessings that come with being a son of God. I hope this passage, as we've looked through this, I hope again, it just helps us see what God has saved us from. But then I hope today that we can walk in the victory that has been provided for us again, as Paul concluded, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This week, we are praying for the country of Taiwan. So will you join with me as we lift up this nation before the Lord? Dear Heavenly Father God, we come before you today, Lord, on behalf of the people of Taiwan. Uh, Lord, we pray first for just the physical needs of that nation. We pray that you would continue to protect them from COVID, that you would, uh, Lord, allow the right decisions to be made that can protect their families. Uh, we pray that you would uh, just allow the, the the political freedom for families to make the right decisions, that uh, that people would be able to, to do what is in their best interest to protect them from, uh, from COVID. We pray just for uh, the continued health and well-being of our team there, those that are serving vulnerable children there. We pray for the health and well-being of children being served. And uh, God, we pray that you would just continue to strengthen and sustain them. Uh, Lord, we pray also for the spiritual well-being of this nation. Yeah, this is a country that has been in the grip of Buddhism and ancestor worship. Uh, Lord has been, uh, we pray that you just would loosen this grip, God, and that you would, uh, Lord, allow their eyes to be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the, that your gospel would go forth and that people would reject, uh, these false doctrine, these false teachings, and they would instead embrace Christ, embrace the, uh, the good news of, of the gospel, God. We pray that you would, uh, Lord, just open up more doors for partnership with other Christians in Taiwan. And uh, Lord, that you just would, would allow us to be able to, to share the hope of the gospel with, with more. We pray that many more people would come to know Christ. We pray, um, God, that you would uh, just, just really guide and direct in that, Lord. Let, raise up your church, raise up your followers, Lord, to proclaim the gospel and bring people to the saving faith in Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we lift up the uh, specifically God, the Orphan and Vulnerable Children of Taiwan. Uh, we're so grateful for our partners there, uh, Cathwell, that is working hard, Lord, to be able to provide for these children. They're working with birth mothers. They're working with, uh, Lord, the, the, the government agencies and all the different pieces that go with that. And we pray, God, that you would give them favor, that you would, uh, Lord, give them just the, the resources and the ability, God, to, to be able to, uh, to provide the care that is needed. Uh, God, we pray for our lifeline team here that, that is working with our Taiwan families and Taiwan partners, God. We pray that you would give them wisdom and in, in leading families through this process, God, that they would prepare our families well. Uh, and then, Lord, we pray that you would, would bring more families, Lord, that you would lay on the hearts of more people, God, to, to see the needs of these children and be willing to... Um, or to, uh, to adopt, uh, these, these children that are, that are in need. Uh, God, I know that we have several lifeline families right now that are being presented, um, Lord, for matching at matching meetings for some of these waiting children. Uh, Lord, I know that, that Taiwan and ha- has had pretty limited, uh, restrictions, God, or has had pretty strong restrictions, God, on, on expat adoption, on out of, out of birth order adoption, on larger family adoption. So God, I pray that they would see, uh, the need to be more open minded in these areas, to be able to provide access for more families to be able to, to care for these children. Um, God, we pray that travel would not be restricted and that families can continue to go and uh, bring home their children. We pray specifically for the two or three families, God, that right now are so close to traveling. God, we pray that you would not get, allow anything to get in the way of that or hinder that, God, but that you would uh, just, Lord, that you would that you would allow that travel to take place so that these families can bring these waiting children home, God. We pray that you just would, again, continue to provide for the needs of these orphaned and vulnerable children, Lord, that you would just continue to um, to meet their physical needs and then ultimately their spiritual needs as well. We pray that you would raise up Christian families, God, that would be willing to love these kids forever, that would be willing to point them to Jesus and share the gospel with them. God, again, we thank you so much for the privilege of being a part of your work in this area. We pray for the people of Taiwan, and we pray, God, that you would expand our territory there, that you would give us greater opportunities for influence and for care of more children, and uh, Lord, that you would, would provide all the needs necessary for that. We're so grateful, God, that you would choose to use us in this way, and we pray that you'll just continue to do what only you can do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.